Hi, and welcome to the Business Talk Library. Today, there is a great topic because so many people are trying to figure out management. I mean, as we're working through all the effects that COVID has had, there's a ton of new things and probably a ton of new case studies that are going to be coming out. So I wanted to talk to someone who is an expert at understanding management and not only an expert there, but also if you've been watching the show, you've seen a previous episode that we did where we interviewed Dr. Diana, where she was talking about the power of curiosity. Now, I want to bring on another guest that she's working with a book on or has worked on a book that has come out. It is called The Power of Perception. And I think that is an essential thing when it comes down to management and leadership. So I am excited to welcome Dr. Maya Zelich to the show. Welcome, Dr. Maya. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we jump too far into the details of, you know, the power of perception, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. I'm a, currently, I'm a Fulbright specialist. So I've, I've done some research for the U.S. government, um, in particular in the South African region in Zambia. I'm also a department chair, advanced management division at the Forbes School of Business and Technology, which is actually at the University of Arizona Global. Um, I'm a NAFSA Global Partner, which is um, the largest non-for-profit um, association for educators. Um, but my passion projects, I, I love doing global research. Uh, so that is definitely one of my passion projects. Now, with an amazing background like that, I mean, I, I have to ask, how did you even start to go down that journey of getting involved with all those great things? Sure. Well, um, I was kind of sort of forced to have an international background. Um, uh, there was a war in my country in the early 90s, and I was, uh, I was uh, forced to, to, to leave the country, and I traveled uh, extensively, and then I finally immigrated to the United States. Uh, came here as a refugee. I was in a refugee camps in Europe for three and a half years. And uh, I became an international traveler prior to really wanting to be one. <laughs> so as I got here, um, I started working in the financial industry. And I was actually doing quite well in the financial industry, working for Merrill Lynch Credit Corporation, working for many well-known private label companies. And then one day, a friend of mine asked me to help her with a training session. Uh, so I said, well, I'm not really doing training. And she said, well, just, you know, let's just, let's just give it a try. And um, I love the interaction with the audience. I love covering some of the basics of the process that we actually, I was very, very familiar with the process, but I actually enjoyed the teaching aspect. And all of a sudden I said to myself, you know what, I really like doing this. Um, so I started going, going to school and, you know, ultimately um, became a PhD and started um, teaching full time and then teaching led to doing research. And I realized that doing a comfortable research from the comfort of my home or going uh, to online libraries was not my thing. I realized that I, uh, my passion is to do a field research in developing countries in particular. I do feel because I can relate to uh, some of the struggles people go through uh, in those places. And I also feel that I was given so much and I feel I should give back. Awesome. Awesome. So now when you first started going into teaching, I guess, was was the teaching experience you started doing, did that, I guess, did it, was it the same experience that you thought it was going to be or was teaching a little bit different from what your original expectation would be? I realized early on, I, I enjoy face-to-face -face teaching a bit more, but that's not really a, a world we live in. And even prior to pandemic, the vast majority of the teaching engagements that I was able to get those were online. I, I do um, 
I always like to do at least something part-time here and there when the world is actually open, where I still have a face-to-face -face interaction uh, with my audience. And that's why I did a lot of uh, global lectures and seminars and workshops across the world. I, I really enjoy that face-to-face -face interaction and getting the instantaneous feedback from the audience and hearing their thoughts. Because I go into every single teaching uh, assignment from the standpoint of, I feel I have a lot to give, but I also feel I have a lot to learn from my audience members. And I think teaching is a two-way street. And if you have a humble heart and you go with a, with a standpoint of what, you know, I would like to learn something as well, um, especially since I teach to, uh, you know, my, my students are adults and they're adults that are busy professionals. They have their jobs already. Many of them have family members. So um, I'm sure teaching children is a bit different, uh, but teaching adults is uh, definitely a two-way street. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I guess as you've been, you know, going through that journey of teaching adults, um, I, I did see, and you mentioned about, you know, the the, the Forbes teaching, Forbes-related teaching. Yes. How did that come about for you? Well, I was working, still continuing working um, at a Merrill Lynch Credit Corporation, and I started pursuing a, what we consider part-time teaching engagements. And at one point of time, the opportunity presented itself for me to go to um, to a full-time position with the Forbes School of Business and Technology at the University of Arizona Global. And uh, I was a bit scared because here I was, I was leaving a, a very lucrative position, a very lucrative corporate training position with major financial companies. Uh, and I remember those first few days saying to myself, what have I done? <laughs> was, this, was this the best choice? And I'm sure as your audience is listening to me, all of us are going through those, what have I done moments? Um, that was a good decision. That was a terrific decision. Uh, after the financial crisis, a lot of those departments, the training departments were, set, were sadly cut. And uh, technically I would have been laid off year and a half from that period of time. And, um, and a lot of my colleagues were asking me, did you know? And I said, no, I, no, I did not. It just happened that way. No, I didn't have a crystal ball seeing, oh, this, this is what's gonna happen with the training industry. But you know, a lot of the industries are going through those cycles where they have ups and downs. So that's gotcha. how I landed uh, full-time uh, with the Forbes School of Business. Okay, nice, nice. Now, I want to jump to, um, we'll start with the book. So The Power of Perception. Um, can you give us a, some notes of like, what are people expecting when they pick up that book? Well, the book is written by two ladies that are academics. So I would imagine that someone may, may encounter a perception would be, I'm going to start reading this book and it's going to read as an academic journal. Well, you would be wrong, completely wrong. We wrote it to general audience members. Yes, it is geared towards business professionals. Business professionals are trying to become more effective in a business setting, more motivated, and get in touch with their perception and mechanisms impacting their perception. But it is written in a way, even though it's well-researched, that any general audience member can relate, read, and appreciate, and learn a lot of good things. So we intentionally steer away from what we do best, which is the academic research writing. Um, and we actually wrote this book the way I'm talking to you. Um, very conversational, uh, lots of good examples. Uh, Dr. Diane is, is having uh, one, of, one, of, one of these great business radio shows, as you know, because you guys are colleagues. And uh, she was uh, using a lot of examples, a lot of, you know, a lot of things that her um, uh, folks that she talked to um, mentioned pertaining to perception, but ultimately anyone can read it and figure things out. How, you know, the way I perceive the world 
I'm aware of it. I'm a bit aware. I'm fully aware. But no matter what, what's impacting my perception? Because as you and I are talking, you're creating this perception of me and I'm doing the same about you. What's what's impacting that perception? Mm -hmm. And that's what, what we're taking the readers through. And I think that that is an amazing topic for, for where we're in right now, because I think there's so many things that are happening and, and people are forming opinions and people are forming viewpoints. I mean, and you guys, you know, started right. You didn't just start writing this, you know, in, in the last year and with the amount of research, I'm sure you've been working on it for some time. So what was the, the, the catalyst, the thing that really sparked it to where you decided like, hey, perception is the focus of what we want to write on next. I mentioned the story uh, uh, in a few places, so I'm just gonna repeat it for the for the for the benefit of your audience members. Uh, it was not a philosophical debate. It was not some some amazing moment. What had happened was we used to work together, Diane and I, and we were on the receiving end of the uh, upper leadership message. Uh, it was a message that was conveyed through some meetings and a few phone calls. She walked away saying, "We are getting promoted." I walked away saying, "We're getting fired." And we ended up talking to each other because we were good friends by then. And, and I said, oh, my God, we're getting fired. And she's like, oh, my, I'm pretty certain we're getting promoted. So ultimately, Diane was, luckily for us, Diane was the one that had a, an accurate perception. But uh, we started laughing. We started teasing each other. And we said to ourselves, we're both fairly intelligent. We're both educated. What, what caused me? to go to that end of the spectrum and what caused her to go to the other end of the spectrum. I always felt she's more optimistic than I am. I'm a little bit more on a pessimistic side. And then we started going through what happened to, to impact us hearing this message so vastly different. And, um, and we, we started going through different variables, experience, cultural background. I just shared a few uh, details from my biography uh, that's not to say one journey is more difficult than the other or better than the other. Our journeys were vastly different. Diane was born and raised in Arizona. Uh, she, she didn't have necessarily the experiences I had and vice versa. Um, our gender impacts perception. Men and women, we see things differently. So every time when we think about whatever that book was called, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, it is true. The way we perceive things, it's absolutely true. Uh, hence the disagreements and not seeing things the same way in a relationship setting. Um, our intelligence, our emotional intelligence, and I'm sure you have this encounter every single day in your life. You can meet some incredibly intelligent people, but they're just not getting it. Well, they're not getting as their, their emotional intelligence may not be at the level to grasp or process a certain message. So those are all the value variables that we studied. And we studied them for approximately two years. And wow. that, that is why Diane and I walked away from those meetings with the, she's celebrating opening her champagne. And I'm like, well, I need to brush up this resume because I'm getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. You know, it, I, I laugh also because I was thinking about that where my wife and I were um, coming up with an idea uh, like two days ago um, of what we wanted to do and in, in what I wanted to do in our business and with the podcast and, you know, 
when I put out the idea, I was excited to share because I'm like, this is a great thing. This is going to yeah. like, you know, really open up opportunity. And my wife had the complete opposite perspective where she was just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I'm excited about that. <laughs> We have a lot of stories in the book. One of the stories is, uh, and it's all actually a funny story. And, and keep in mind, it's exaggeration, right? So uh, uh, a woman and a man, they're looking at this painting. And it's a painting of an old man in front of the barn. And a woman is saying, oh, look at the light hitting his face. And look how serene he is. And look at the, you know, the sunshine and the grass. And, you know, and the man's like, boy, oh, boy, this, this barn needs a paint job. This barn is really old. Now, of course, you know, this is not, we were trying to demonstrate that sometimes it's vastly different. Um, and, um, and we're just perceiving, and we are not trying to change the way people interact. We're trying for the folks to be aware in order to become more efficient in a global business setting. Because our book is geared towards becoming global business leaders. I think in today's time and age, anyone venturing out to say, I'm just going to be a domestic leader <laughs> is, is, is just not going to work. So what we were trying to do through the index, because we have an index and a training program that goes with it, uh, companies can actually um, do the assessment and, and get a good read of their employee perception and what there's always why behind, why would company do anything? Well, they're doing it in order to figure out how their employees perceive, what impacts their perception in order to increase their productivity and their motivation, well, motivation and productivity. Um, so we created this index and we like to call it an epic index. Um, and I don't know if, if it's of interest, I can, with, through some examples, I can walk you through that epic index. Absolutely. So I'll say before we jump to that, because I, I, I want to say that I definitely want to go into that. But before we jump to that, let me ask one quick question. Um, so where can people find a copy of the book? It's on Amazon. It's a power perception. And it's a, it is on Amazon and it is available. I'm going to send you I can send it to you later on. And you can also include the link. Um, the uh, there's also an index on, on our websites and the training program that goes with it. But the book itself is on Amazon. Gotcha, gotcha. And then for the people that are listening on the podcast, what's the web address for the website? It is the the, the powerperceptionindex.com. And um, I'm gonna also include that in the chat pod, just in case if I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand that. So, so definitely, you know, go and check out the book um, on Amazon, check out the website, we'll include it in the links. Now, to the amazing point that you were just about to make about the epic. So let's dive into that a little bit. Sure. The, uh, the, uh, the um, epic is like, first you evaluate, let's say you go into any, any setting. It doesn't have to be a business setting, any setting. Uh, you should be aware of the way you perceive. If you recall, you're evaluating your own self. And if you're not self-aware as a leader, uh, you are going to get in trouble. Actually, uh, I, I wrote a blog about this leader that I met in, uh, during the financial industry, and all of his employees went to complain about him. And his comeback was, I'm a terrific leader. And I realized I, at the time, I didn't realize anything. I was really annoyed by him. But later on reflecting on it, I said to myself, he seemed genuine when he said that. So he truly had no clue how he comes across. He had no clue what he was projecting. So evaluate is evaluate your own self. If you recall just a few minutes ago, what I've said was, I'm a bit more pessimistic. I, I tend to panic a bit more. I'm a, I'm a bit more paranoid. And we know all these different factors that impact that. 
if I'm aware of it, I can better step back in a business setting saying, wait a second, Maya, let's, let's see what's really happening versus what your mind is, as your mind is racing. So evaluate, be aware of, of your own self, right? Uh, P is predict. Um, predict, you just mentioned your wife. Well, I would imagine you don't want to get into, into a landmine situation in the kitchen, right? So you can predict how she may perceive some of the things you say. You can predict how your coworkers, if you know that you have a coworker that's a bit more sensitive, you may change your message, predicting the way they may react. And, and you do this, all of us do this, without always being aware that we're doing it. There is a friend that you can pick up a phone and just, just tell him or her how it is, and it's perfectly fine. You do the same with another friend. You don't have a friend anymore. So you have to, so what we're doing, and, and we're, not, we're not really sitting saying, okay, I just evaluated, now I'm going to predict. We're doing this without being aware. And then you interpret, eyes interpret. You know, what, what, is, what is the message that I'm trying to project? What's the message that the other person's doing? And then the, the C is a correlate, putting it all together. Um, my experience in a global setting, as much as talkative as I, as I am, and I love to talk, as you can tell, <laughs> I am more quiet. I'm more observant. Um, I'm more aware of my surroundings because that is how I learn. Because if you're a global leader, you're going into a setting, into a culture that you may not be as familiar with, approaching it with, with a humble heart from a standpoint of, can you teach me? I, I've never had any, any unpleasant encounters with that approach. It is when you are assuming that you know what you're doing, that's when you start hurting people's feelings. Wow. I think that that is amazing because it makes me think about my time when I worked in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, it was definitely a very real experience. Of, one is I didn't know the language before I got there. So I had to be quiet a lot more. Um, but as I started observing, I realized that the difference between me and other people where someone pointed that out is you tend to listen more than some of your other counterparts do. So they liked interacting with me more because it just came off as though, hey, you're trying to learn while they're trying to be the teacher and they don't know yet. So I, I definitely remember that. Absolutely. And, and even if you go somewhere as a, as, a, as a person to lecture, as a person to work, do a workshop, as a person to do research, I, I, I love doing a, a field research. And, and I had a very unique opportunities in a few countries where I actually lived in a particular place for an extended period of time prior to, to actually gathering data. Um, that's where that is of a, of a crucial importance. And, and also constantly being aware of what are you projecting. And that's not to say to put a fake persona up front. No, just being mindful, being mindful how you may come across. There are different, you know, there are cultural differences. There are different, different ways that, that people perceive others. So you just have to be mindful. And, um, and as long as you are not intentionally, you know, because, yeah, sadly, there are some individuals that are intentionally hurting other people's feelings, you should be fine. Um, but being aware of this and constantly interpreting and correlating um, there's no such a thing as a, well, Plato, Plato may disagree, but there's no such a thing as a, as a true reality. Uh, it, it's a fluid concept. So any corporate setting, uh, what can we do? We're not trying to, to get everyone to think the same. No, we're trying to align people's perception to that message that the upper management is trying to convey. And if the messaging is off, who's at fault? Well, 
it's the managers that are communicating. So being aware of how they come across is, is of a crucial importance. Because what we say is we are, we are in a situation where we're consistently, uh, just, just a, today actually, I had a very fresh example. I, I was on the receiving email from a colleague just a few days ago and I, I was really trying to give him a benefit of a doubt because I was stepping away and I was saying, well, you know, the email tone is sometimes, you know, so, so I don't think he was necessarily aware how he came across. And, um, and that's the best we can do to get to that ever fluid concept of business reality. I absolutely love it. And I think, you know, for even for the audience and those that are listening and watching, I think as a business owner, that becomes a very critical thing to because as you were talking, I was just thinking to myself is as I think about my marketing, as I think about the reporting that I send to clients is like their perception of what they're receiving is a very, very critical thing. And it's something that I have to get better of knowing, like, how am I being perceived? So mm-hmm. definitely, Dr. Maya, thank you so much for coming on. It's definitely been a pleasure of having you. I, I, I really enjoy the conversation. And I want everyone that's listening to go to Amazon, check out the book. And then you said also for the index that is available on your website. That is correct. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it to you uh, after this interview so that way you can include it with the interview. I would appreciate that. Absolutely, we will. Well, Dr. Meyer, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining us in the Business Talk Library. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Talk Library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library hey the business talk library is the place where business makes sense